Hola, hola, hola. Welcome back to Unruly, the show where women are called locas, radicals, and a whole lot of other things. This is the finale, a short one, to Roe v. Wade está en peligro. So where do we go from here? Can this be prevented? Maybe, but probably not. What do you think? Not looking good. It's not looking good. No. I mean, it can be, yes. Will it be? Probably not. Yeah, even if Roberts, which I expect that he will, will vote to uphold Roe, it won't be enough. Quick question. Mm -hmm. If one of the justices is to change their decision, which one do you think would do it? Mm, There has been some speculation that maybe Gorsuch would that he would stick with what he said during his um, his confirmation hearings. I don't think that that's true, but there has been some speculation. Yeah. He's the only one that I could think of. The only saving grace I can think of is that Clarence Thomas, sexual harasser, because we've got two sexual predators on the bench right now, right? Mm-hmm. That he might be recalled because of his wife's involvement with January 6th and all of that. That's the only, but that's, that's highly unlikely. Now, Congress could, and the filibuster, Senate could have filibuster, make Roe v. Wade federal law, the Women's Health Protection Act. They could expand SCOTUS. That was floated around to expand the Supreme Court to more than nine justices. Neither of those is very likely to happen in the current Senate, which is 50-50, as you know. Vice President Harris would be the tiebreaker, but... Hey, this is Madi jumping in with a quick edit. In February, 60 votes, the filibuster, were needed to even move from debate to the actual vote on the Women's Health Protection Act. And as expected, that didn't happen because, you know, the House is split 50-50 between Democrats and Republicans. So the WHP didn't even get to a vote. A second attempt was made on May 10th, two days after we recorded this episode. Again, the Democrats couldn't overcome the filibuster, the 60 required votes to even end the debate on the issue. But even if it had, it still would have failed because all 50 Republicans and one Democrat opposed the bill. Any guesses as to who that Democrat was? Yeah, Joe Manchin. So things are looking a little grim there. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do anything about it. We shouldn't try. Yeah. With the outcomes looking so poor, it seems like we should try harder. More. Because the stakes are really high. There's a lot to lose. Alito's made a big deal about trying to reassure everyone that the legal logic used to overturn Roe would only be about abortion and shouldn't be understood to apply to other kinds of cases. This is only about abortion, the logic that we're using about the Constitution. It's it's only about abortion. Don't extrapolate. But this seems really disingenuous because he had written in the draft that, quote, until the latter part of the 20th century, there was no support in the American law for a constitutional right to obtain an abortion, zero, none. Well, there was no large-scale support for gay marriage, contraceptives. And guess what, Alito? The same was true about women having their own credit cards until the latter part of the 20th century. And thank you, RBG, for paving the way for that because I was four years old before women nationwide 
could have their own credit cards without their husband as co-signers. That's sickening. In my lifetime, <laughs> I saw something on Instagram that said, the constitution says nothing about women entering into contracts. So I will therefore not be paying my student loans. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it too. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Yeah, except I also have a mortgage. <laughs> Seriously, we, we already see hints that contraception could be next. This would overturn Griswold v. Connecticut, 1965. And that was the one that allowed contraceptives for married couples. Amy Coney Barrett and her hearing wouldn't say if she agreed with the outcome on that case. Red flag. Right. You know, this is really starting to feel like Handmaid's Tale in real life. We're inching a lot closer. Yeah, especially since she was part of that group. I had never even heard of it as Catholic. It's kind of this culty group, allegedly, don't sue me, that calls women handmaids. Did you know this about her? I think I heard this during her trial. It's coming back to me now. They not her trial, sorry, her hearing. They don't call them that anymore. And, and actually, Margaret Atwood was asked if she was referring to this group, this Catholic group. It's like an extremist Catholic group. She said she didn't think so, but there's another group that also refers to women as handmaids. It's probably more likely. So it probably wasn't Coney Barrett's group, but yeah, they did refer to the women as handmaids. Read banned books, read banned books before they're burned. It just like shows how closely related all of these things are and like the kind of people that are doing it and their, what their real motives yeah. seem to be. Oh no, it's the same. Not to say there's not nuance, there is, but it's just, oh, I know. 2003, Lawrence v. Texas overturned the law banning gay sex. That was until 2003. My lifetime. Obergefell v. Hodges, 2015, legalized same-sex marriage throughout the entire country. Not until 2015. There wasn't large-scale national support for these constitutional rights until there was. And then there was. So these rights are protected until they aren't. This is... This is not single issue reactionary politics like we were just talking about. These are part of a multi-pronged assault on bodily autonomy, abortion, whom we can have sex with. It's about gender, which has to do with our very identities. And again, I'm not the biggest fan of the constitution due to its racist, misogynist roots and its comparison with what could be a better document, but it does guarantee important rights. So it's really ironic to me that those who revere the racist misogynist founders now want to desecrate those men's revolutionary charter. I just don't get it. I mean, I do, but I don't. It's not logical. Once again, two words <laughs> right? that do not go together. I know something being political scientists, especially in IR, something I was curious about with all this happening was the international response and what would be done. Even like what would groups in the U.S. do? How much would they try to bend and do in lieu of all of these restrictions? Again, like going back to presidents and their power, I didn't know this, but in 2019, Trump's administration ended NGO funding to groups that supported abortion. So foreign aid restricted what groups could do with their money and really limited access to women's health causes. 
So former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that the U.S. refused, this is a quote, refused to subsidize the killing of unborn babies. And this policy is actually also known as the Mexico City policy. This included um, restricting funding of an unknown amount to the OAS, or the Organization of American States, because of the group's support for abortion access in the Western Hemisphere. Biden did reverse this pretty quickly shortly after taking office in January of 2021. Again, when they have power, they're using it. It's not the first time this has happened, but this stuff matters. You know, people say, oh, well, all politicians are the same. I don't care. It's boring, blah, blah. It matters. It really does matter. Yeah. It's not just effects on you, but effects on your family, on your neighbors, on your state, on your country, and internationally. Certainly, especially a country as powerful as the United States. This is likely an anti-rights movement around the world, which would go hand in hand with the uh, the rise in populism going on currently as well. This would spark and promote that. Poland is a great example. They recently started enforcing a total ban on abortions in the entire country. It can now lean on the U.S. decision as an example to defend itself. And Mexico, Argentina, and Ireland are all particularly vulnerable because they've recently removed restrictions or bans. And with these changes being so recent, it could really hurt or impact future and current legislation in those places. And IGOs walk or intergovernmental organizations, so groups like the United Nations or Amnesty International, who work with countries and provide a space for countries to work together, they are responding to this now. And Amnesty International specifically released a statement from their secretary governor about the impact of overturning Roe and said this would damage the global perception of the United States and set a terrible example that other governments and anti-rights groups could seize upon around the world in a bit to deny the rights of women, girls, and other people who can become pregnant. I'm a little disappointed in the United Nations response. Secretary General Antonio Guterres said that he believes that women's rights are vital to gender equality worldwide. And when asked about the leaked document, his comment was limited because he's planning on releasing a more detailed and significant statement with the official decision. So playing it pretty safe there. But other UN officials, UN is huge, including a special reporter on the right to health. These people are considering the U.S.'s end to abortion protections as undermining to international law, which I agree. It's as significant and serious as that. The Human Rights Watch, along with Amnesty International and the Global Justice Center, released a brief, which, thank goodness, begins with the acknowledgement of the worsened impact on marginalized groups, because that's who's going to be hurt the worst in this. The brief also recognizes that there is not a decrease in abortions in places where abortion is banned or restricted, but instead an increase in unsafe abortions. And it directly calls on countries where this is proven. So some of the listed countries are Romania, South Africa, El Salvador, and Ecuador. And I know you cited a stat on this saying that every year, approximately 30,000 women around the world die from unsafe abortions, which is better than 10 years ago, but still that's 30,000 preventable deaths. Right. I'm just thinking about Venezuela where contraceptives can cost a week's or a month's wages 
about what young women are consuming to induce abortion and then poisoning themselves to death. And then, of course, the back alley abortions. And then I was thinking about how Poland won't allow the Ukrainian refugee women who've been raped by Russian soldiers to terminate their pregnancies. Just the level of trauma. I can't, I can't imagine. Um, Devastating. Absolutely devastating. Another interesting part in this is our neighboring countries, Mexico and Canada. Mexico recently made a huge stride in abortion access. And in 2021, Mexico actually decriminalized abortion, which is different than legalizing it, but it exemplifies an ongoing trend in Latin America towards greater access to abortion. So what Trump and his administration were trying to prevent in the Western Hemisphere, Mexico is working towards. So what this means for people in the U.S. is specifically in Texas, too, is women from Texas who are being restricted are already seeking abortion care in Mexico. The drug misoprostol is sold in pharmacies. Although it's still illegal in Mexico, a prescription is not needed to access it. So women are crossing the border into border towns to gain access to this drug that is not available in Texas. So this comes with a risk. If this drug is not used correctly, there can be extremely severe complications and consequences to the person who takes it. This includes internal bleeding, higher risk for infection, and it's not always guaranteed that the correct drug is being used either, which is a whole separate issue. But this isn't a completely new trend because Texas has been regularly restricting reproductive health access by cutting funding for healthcare offered for women, not just abortion especially in rural areas. So in border towns, along rural areas in Texas, that's the place where women can go. That's where they can gain access to this. But again, it's not necessarily safe. So by banning abortion, you're just banning safe abortions. Yeah. Canada, not very helpful, but supportive somewhat. The prime minister, Justin Trudeau, and his cabinet have come out and announced that in response to the leaked document, have announced that any person seeking abortion care and cannot access it in their home state can enter Canada. And health care has been accessible to Americans in Canada. However, it is out of pocket and will continue to be even in these cases. But there's other issues with this because there's long waiting lists in Canada, even for Canadian women. And this is an issue for abortion. But reproductive health care is overwhelmed, and especially in rural areas, a trend that we keep mentioning. Abortion is restricted after 24 weeks in Canada, and while the debate over abortion isn't as intense there, there's a significant conservative opposition in Canada as well. For Americans crossing the Canadian border, there are barriers such as travel costs, a passport is required, and services fees. So regardless of these barriers, Canada is still expecting that if Roe's overturned, there will be an increase in demand at Canadian clinics. Still, that's going to be women who have the privilege, right? Women who have a passport, which is kind of expensive to get. And you have to wait, but you can call your representatives in DC and expedite your passport at times. I did not know that. Good to know. We ever travel again. I mean, it can take six weeks even expedited. It would take three weeks at least, I can imagine. And that's not the photo, the money for it, the time to go to the post office. And I've seen at post offices, you have to schedule an appointment to turn in your passport application. And then gas or airfare to Canada. So we're in for a fight. 
but we have to fight it. We can't sit around on this one. We just can't. This is a really nuanced issue. There are various perspectives. It's intersectional, but it will affect us all. And you had asked about this. When is the time to freak out, Mariah? Um, now, yesterday. Yeah. Today, tomorrow. <laughs> it's, it's time to freak out. If you haven't been politically active and you're looking for a time to get politically active, <laughs> let this be that time. There's a lot of information, including how to find a protest near you at plannedparenthood.org. There's a lot of information, how to get birth control delivered to you. A lot of political action you can find, including phone banks, calling your senators, petitions that you can sign on the NARAL site, which is prochoiceamerica.org. Body breaking in again, por ser gafa. I forgot to mention that if you are in Colorado, there is the Colorado Organization for Latina Opportunity and Reproductive Rights. Color, or color, is the acronym. That's pretty cool. They've got webinars about the primaries going on, petitions, a whole lot of really cool stuff, and a podcast. That's at Color Latina, one word, that's all together, dot org. So colorlatina.org. I can't believe I forgot them. I have one of their koozies on my soda can right now that says, stay out of my chones. I love it. Or just call or email your senators yourself. I recommend both, emailing and calling, and calling multiple times. I'm jumping in again here for a quick edit since the Women's Health Protection Act failed. There's likely to be more legislation coming out. Senators Collins and Murkowski, to pro-choice Republican senators who did vote against the Women's Health Protection Act have come out with new legislation. Theirs is more restrictive and has these consciousness provisions that would allow healthcare providers to refuse to provide abortions for religious reasons. At any rate, just be on the lookout for whatever legislation might be coming out soon. And even if you know your senators already are going to support it, call anyway, because it shows that there's a a lot of support that your senators can use to say, I've gotten this many calls. I've gotten this huge number of calls in support of this. If they don't answer, leave a voicemail. Yes. And give them your information and that you live in their, um, in their district. Tell them that you're a voter and that this is an important issue to you. If you are in DC, Do not go to the Supreme Court justices' homes. That's not good for him. And ultimately, don't ever give up hope. This is an important issue, but we can't give up hope. We have to fight for it. And, you know, if you need to take a break to just go watch some videos of cute animals for a little bit. Eat some chocolate. Eat some chocolate. You can eat some chocolate while you call your senator. Yeah. While you email your senator. While you sign a petition. You can take chocolate with you to protest. I recommend it. (laughs) You got to keep that energy. Share chocolate with friends that you take to protest with you. Do a chocolate exchange. Dr. C, could you make an exception to the dove or above rule for taking chocolate to protests? I will. Absolutely. 100%. Because this is an intersectional issue. And my dove or above is totally classist. What Mariah is referring to is that in our Mali United Nations organization, Rather than me taking off points, the person who was late had to bring chocolate to the next meeting and it had to be good chocolate, not cheap chocolate, dove or above. 
so dub or anything better in quality. And yes, totally classes now I'm realizing it. So yes, take whatever chocolate. I'm ashamed, but I'm going to share it. I prefer cheap chocolate. You know this. I know you know this. M&M's, Hershey's, all the worst kinds. Well, but I have cheap taste. I'm very glad that my son who lives in Switzerland, the land of chocolate has still not been able to really taste the difference between bad chocolate and good chocolate. And then of course, because we care about this shit and it's all related, then we have to think about child labor and Mm -hmm. the rainforest. So there are ways to look that up in terms of child labor and chocolate production, but this is just too important. We can't let this one go. No, it could escalate like we talked about. So right now it's abortion, but it's also many other rights that are guaranteed. Tomorrow it's contraception. Next day it's gay rights. And however many other things that weren't in the constitution or had no support until the latter part of the 20th century. Are you kidding me? How many things, including, like I said, women having their own credit cards. I am so, so grateful to you for bringing this up as an issue to to revive this podcast like a phoenix rising from the ashes because this really meant a lot to me it means a lot to me and maybe between your friends and my friends and instagram we can get more folks listening who knows who Who knows knows? darcy i think that you know my words could never cover all of it but the fact that you on a Monday night during finals week are (laughs) recording a podcast with your former student um you are just absolutely incredible and I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to work with you this is a love fest man I know we're on, we're recording on zoom so we can see one another. Mariah can see my office right now where she spent many hours. Yes. 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 Okay. We have to cut this off. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This has been awesome. Compañeras, compañeros, compañeres. I hope you learned something. I hope this has maybe been a source of inspiration to, to political action, to not take things for granted. Reach a constitution, please. Yeah. You can get a pocket-sized one. I carry it in my wallet. When I say pocket size, I mean man's pocket size. (laughs) That's a whole other podcast. Pockets are a feminist issue. Yeah, they are. (laughs) I should keep writing down all of the other content. (laughs) I know. So we we're back, baby. I usually end this by saying, go rock the world. With your beautiful son. I feel like I can now that I've heard that. Bus. Yes.